Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Future of Space. I'm your host, Daniel Fox. Our guest today is Matt Goad. Matt is the Chief Executive Officer, CEO at Zero Gravity Corporation. Matt, welcome to the Future Space. Daniel, thank you so much for having me. And again, pardon my voice. No, well, thank you very much for you know, for wanting to be on despite the voice. I'm totally for it. So, um, Matt, before we talk about your work and how you got there and all the amazing things that you're working on right now, could you share with us your three words that capture the essence of space for you? I think of space as, as everything. I think of it as nothing. And I think of it as hope. Excellent. Have you always been like looking up to the stars or is it like a recent journey or? As a, as a young teenager, I built telescopes. No way. Yeah. Reflecting telescopes. I built a, uh, my first one was an eight inch re uh, Newtonian reflector. I sold it. Um, and then I took on a bigger project, a 10 inch uh, Cassegrain and ended up selling that to a local observatory. Wow. So you went from telescope to zero gravity. Listen, there's like, there's a huge story there. I can't wait to hear. But before we go there, what, I mean, you know, there's a science story. There's a technology story of going to space for obvious reasons. But what for you is the human story of going to space? You know, going back for almost to the beginning of time, you know, we have, as, as humans have been explorers whether it was venturing out of the caves, you know, past the saber-toothed tigers, to exploring the oceans, to, you know, to flight, to everything it is, is we have always had this quest for exploration and finding what's out there. So I think it's in our DNA to basically always look for that next, next uh, place. You know, we're exploring oceans as we speak, places we've, we've never been with the same zeal as we're exploring space. Do you think that it just life is always going places, right? And the humans are really one of the best vector of taking that life to new places. And it might be hard for people to understand the scale of where we're, I mean, the next step, but this is no different than standing at the beach, you know, or at the bottom of the mountain and looking up and trying to figure out how we, like, there's, there's always this thing in the back of our mind is like, I just want to go to the next, to these, these horizons that we see it. And it's not a question of, Either do we want is how can we, and as soon as we develop the tools, whether it's a, it's a ship, whether it's a bicycle, whether it's crampons to go up the mountain, as soon as we have the tools with us, then we go and explore these new places. And now with these rockets and the technology, now we're finding ourselves with the technology to make that next leap possible. Is that, is that right? I think that's I think that's definitely a, a good a good way to say it. And the other way I would think about it, life in general is expansive. It is always reaching out and expanding and growing from from the smallest uh, cell to to us to basically things that are maybe more than us. So I think just the nature of the expansiveness of of life, you know, always will create a quest for more for what's what what is out there. And I think we have have been able, you know, again via technology and and time and willingness to take the risk, goes to those next places. And you know now we're at the the next level of exploration. And, and literally, I think we're in the first inning, if that, of, of this exploration process. Oh, I mean, the, the leap that we're about to take is just going to open up to, I mean, it's a quantum leap. I mean, it's not just like the, these innovations and technologies that are about 
to become available and possible, the new reality that they will be creating is just like it's a total new world. It's not just developing a new way to travel on Earth, but that 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 door that we're like just opening is taking us to a total new reality. And I, you know, I often say I used to like the idea of living for more than a hundred years, you know, as a human as a human before five years ago was, you know, okay. I mean, I think a hundred years on earth is, is enough, but now the idea of going to space, if anyone has a, the, the opportunity to make me live until I'm two, 300 years, I'll take it because, <laughs> because just of, I want, I want to see what is coming for the next 50 years. I mean, do you feel the excitement of what's coming up? Yeah. Well, of course, we feel it, you know, every time I take the plane up with, with people who, who get this experience of what it feels like to be an astronaut, to be like the ultimate explorer and the science that we develop on the plane for the expansion of what we do in space. So, yeah, we're, we're smack dab in the middle of it. And it is a, and again, my, you know, regret, I don't have, I don't live my life in regrets. I, I wished I can be around when we get to that next interstellar potential of exploration and really find what's out there in habitable worlds, things of that sort. But right now, you know, do my thing to help us get to those steps. Now, as you mentioned, you started, you know, as a young Matt back in the years doing telescope, making telescope. And here you are now, the CEO of Zero G, which is, you know, when it, when it's, about talking about these these um, zero gravity flights, you're the destination to go. And you've not only for entertainment, but you've created a place for science and education. Can you tell us before we get to really the, the nuts and bolts of zero G, that journey between the telescope and where you are today? So, so I would call it much circular. The company was actually founded by this, an amazing entrepreneur named Peter Diamandis, who, by the way, is very focused on how we live into our hundreds, a NASA astronaut, Byron Lichtenberg, and a NASA scientist named Ray Cronice. And NASA had been training astronauts in parabolic flights, you know, basically probably since the, the early 60s. And I remember myself seeing pictures of of these guys in the flight suits hanging up upside down, you know, through the plane windows and saying, oh, my God, how cool would that be? Well, Peter and, and his two colleagues obviously felt the same and undertook in the mid-90s a project to create a commercial venture with zero gravity. And it took them 10 years and with backing of, of Elon Musk, who's done some other stuff in space, and and uh, uh, Sergey Brin, who's done a few things in search and other investors, they basically got this through up and running by 2005. I think the most iconic experience they had was in 2007, taking Stephen Hawking up on the plane and, and giving him, who we have so much to be thankful for, the first time in his life he felt free. So the company had been around, but relatively a small operation doing some research, some consumer flights, and, and about three plus years ago had some issues and, and one of the board members reached out to me. My career was Wall Street, and I was a very good problem solver. And this was what appeared to be an unsolvable problem. So, so far, so so far, it hasn't been. Um, 
And so I took it over about three years ago with the idea of changing a lot of things in how we do it, how we present ourselves, who we do, who we, how we do business, how, who we do business with, all, you know, basically taking a company that had nothing touched since 2010 into the 2020s and assembled an exceptional team of people to do this whose skills far, far um, outweigh mine. And now there's a lot of science that's been done on those flights, a lot of education. I've interviewed a bunch of people who went up and for all different reasons, um, Carlos, who was almost blind and was doing some experiment. Um, and, and just the, the, the ex every time that they come back, the experience, the team, the, the entire, the, the, from, from the minute that they step, you know, on your, on your premise to when they get off, they all, I mean, there's like a, you know, talking to children, they come back all <laughs> it's so you've done an, an amazing job, but like, what is, well, well, I think it's, I think it's, it's, I appreciate you saying, I, it's, it's the team that, that we've assembled and trained and, and, and given a lot of responsibility to, to make decisions and invest in the decisions they make and, and a lot of autonomy to create this and pride of ownership. Everyone um, in my company is a stakeholder in the company. And I think we treat each other not just as employees, or, but as teammates and partners. So I think the culture of the company is, is extraordinarily a, a reason why we've been able to do what we've done and create this amazing from literally from the, the moment you hear from us that you're interested in doing it to the moment you leave, you feel like you've done something special. And what do you think that the, that experience of zero gravity, like if you bring it to the core of it, I mean, beyond the excitement of floating, what does it bring to people in general? Is there like a common thread, you know, with with all the passengers have been have been on board so far? Almost all of them say this has been a, a, an extraordinarily touch touch point to their lives, and and something that they've never felt possible, um, and could never identify it or or define it or things of that sort. So I think that you know we've had people come off the plane saying this changed my life. And the people that, that, that have said that have ranged from former Navy test pilots to, to including astronauts who basically have done zero-G in their missions to the ISS, but it's been so long since they've done it. And the ability to, to, to have that experience again and, and connect with their past has been truly amazing. And people who just dream of it and, and have watched TV series or movies like Gravity or, or things of that sort and see these people floating and, and doing all these things in space, getting a feel for what that is. And this is, it's not a simulation. This is, exactly, you know, we've had, we've had numerous astronauts uh, on the plane and they'll tell you the only difference between zero G on our plane and zero G, whether it's orbiting the earth or on the ISS, is it's for us, it's segments of 30 seconds. And for there, it's all the time, but it's the same feeling. And there's, I mean, often in the world of today, because there's a lot of simulation, we're getting into an era of virtual reality. Um, we talk about, you know, the overview effect, this, this experience of, of looking at the earth from the perspective of space. And already we're trying to see if we can replicate this and uh, this experience here on earth but there's a physicality to certain experiences that you cannot replicate you can simulate you can you can give a, a glimpse but the physicality of of being in a place that's outside of your comfort zone that you don't expect your body reacts in a certain way that you can't replicate 
And this is this is what people experience when they get on board. I mean, even though if you can you know about it, you see it, you learn, you can you can read all the manuals, but experiencing physically is something of the total of a different dimension, right? It is. It is. It is not a a, a feeling that that we have the um, the vocabulary to, to define. Um, it is. It is uh, when you are suspended in the middle of air um, and just hanging out. Um, you know, it is the single most unique experience a, a person can have. There's not, nothing more unique than that. Do you um do you make a mission as with your team to also make the that experience available to children, to young, you know, to, to students yeah. so that they can experience something that will change their life? We do. We have a, a, a organization, Zero Gravity for STEM, um, that we contribute to and, and do it with and do projects with where we will, whether it's an essay contest or sometimes it's a science process. And we'll reach out to STEM teachers in certain places that we fly and offer seats uh, for the teachers and, and students that they select. Because we don't want it just to be for people that have a couple of bucks to have a cool experience. We also um, uh, do a project called Mission Astro Access where we've done two now of 12 extraordinary uh, men and women who, if it hadn't been for basically being severely disabled, would be astronauts. So, you know, we've had people on the plane without uh, sight, um, ability to hear, or, or limbs, um, paralyzed, things like that, um, on the plane, and with the idea that space could be open to everyone. And that, that's been a truly... Uh, moving and impactful thing that we've been able to do, and we're getting ready to do our third one um, in, I think, December. So, you know, the idea is, is that, you know, A, it's expensive, but, you know, having just gone to Paris for the International Astronaut Conference, and, you know, it's the same seat, same price as a business class seat to Paris. So if I was going to spend, you know, 8,000 bucks, I'd rather spend it on a flight on zero G and have the most amazing experience. But it's not, it's not, inaccessible. It's, it's, it's possible for a fair amount of people. You know, we offer, um, you know, advantage pricing to say veterans, teachers, and people like that. So we, we try to do it in our way, but it's an expensive business to run. I mean, I have a combination of a single airplane airline and I'm dealing in the space industry. And we'll make all, I mean, that link to access that pro, those programs, we'll make sure that they're um, in the description so that people can, can, find more information. Um, it, it used to be, I think, uh, just a couple planes, but recently I just uh, looked at the, your Instagram, the company's Instagram, and you have Seattle, there's East Coast, West Coast. So what what is coming up for 2023 in terms of opportunities and, and planes that are going to be uh, going up? So we have one plane now. We're in the midst of adding a second plane, and hopefully we'll we'll get that underway in the next couple of I mean, started in the next couple of months, and, and hopefully up and running by the end of, of next year. But right now, you know, our you know we fly out of Seattle, Las Vegas, Oakland, uh, Long Beach, Houston, Austin, uh, Miami. Uh, Kennedy Space Center, which is a really uh, impactful place to do a flight out of where we take off and land from the shuttle landing facility. And uh, New York City, where we partner with Blade Helicopters, where you get a helicopter from midtown Manhattan, fly over the Statue of Liberty and land next to the plane. So, you know, we do a couple things that are a little different, but those are the primary places that we will, the plane moves to. And, and they're generally 
And then we do, you know, our research flights are generally done from Fort Lauderdale, Portsmouth with MIT, and uh, Santa Maria, California, for some of the California institutions. Uh, so it's one plane that tours the U.S. and then yes. a, 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 you know, a second one, but it's touring all these different, so that people can, from different places, can access. Yes. So were you, were you just recently in Paris for the um, IAC? I, I was. What was the... The, the general, I mean, unfortunately, I had to miss it this year. It was in Iceland with the Iceland Space Agency. I know, so cool. I would have liked to have been where you <laughs> Well, Daniel, the executive director from the uh, the Space Agency, was at IAG, but I was meeting with his team. And, I mean, if you've ever been to Iceland, it is. I'm dying to go. I So, I was talking, I just interviewed Daniel for the future of space. And I think that Iceland needs to rebrand itself as the outer space here on earth. Cause it is absolutely outworldly. This, the, this little piece of earth that is so majestic and the landscape is like the nature the extremity of, of nature is like breathtaking. Um, yeah, I'm dying to go. Excellent. Well, let's, let's organize, let's organize a zero G in, a, in Iceland. Um, what was what was the like the the, the mood at IAC? Because more and more, even more than last year, there's there's a buildup of energy within the space community that is going beyond just your usual crowd of geeks and science and technology. Um, did you did you feel that in Paris? Oh, ab- absolutely. Um, I think the you know, there's so much representation from different countries and and you know, all these different companies and, and institutions, and education. So I think that, you know, we are literally just kind of starting this curve up into, you know, how we participate and interact with space. Um, and so I, I felt the energy was, was, was significant and it was crowded. I mean, it was, there, there was, it was packed. So I think that's exciting. And I think that, you know, again, we are in the, um, you know, again, we're, we're, our focus is obviously in the manned space side. And so we, we're seeing a lot going on there. I mean, you have obviously uh, SpaceX, you have Axiom, um, you've got Blue Origin, Virgin Galactic, you have the two uh, balloon companies, Space Perspectives and Worldview. So, you know, over the next period of time, Starship will, will eventually, you know, be a, uh, accessible. So over the next seven, eight, nine years, there's going to be many ways to get some experience of what space is, and that will lead, hopefully, to that next evolution of exploration. I can't wait for 2024 uh, with the Space Perspective. Where they're, they're scheduled for their first flight. In fact, I have, I have a project with them where, you know, Space 110, where I'm planning on taking a group of 16-year-old up on board Space Perspective every year. Imagine, imagine that 16-year-old, if you get to experience seeing the earth, the curvature of the earth for the space. And I, and you know, Jane and I, we've, we've talked on, on several occasions and I've shared with her how I think that the, I mean, the going up on a rocket, that's exciting. It's an amazing, but to, to experience the overview effect without going to the ISS, I think the space a product like space perspective is like, I think the best platform because it's a, it's a it's a slow journey, six hours, and where you have the time to process um, the, the the experience, as opposed to just this like adrenaline rush of going up. But there's, I'm, like, I agree with you. There's going to be so many different ways within the next decade of experiencing space. And what like 
what would you say is a is is the common thread within the space industry or community where is that energy or what is that energy of that optimism coming from you think i think again i think obviously the first time in our um um in our in our, our lives the accessibility of the space was is is there and and i think it's contagious um so i um You know, I think that's what it is, is that now all these things that we've thought about and dreamt about for decades um, and read about is now within the reach of, of having these experiences. I think that part of the excitement within the space is everybody understands that space is at the, for the benefit primarily of Earth. Is, is a lot of people feel that the problems or some of the issues that we have to take care of here on Earth, space is part of the solution. So they're they're looking with going up as a solution to take care of the, the what we have on Earth. So there's this collective kind of desire to find these answers, innovating as opposed to, because I've spent, you know, I spent several years within the conservation and nature world. And there's always just this kind of gloom this doom and gloom that we're a bad species and we're doing things in the wrong way. But then you get to space and it's just like, yes, we can. Like, yes, we'll find the answers. I mean, do you, do you feel that also? I do. I do. I think that, that again, we've not done a particularly good job on, on the um, conservation of our own planet. And, and I think that's leading to a significant crisis. I mean, you know, storm, the hundred year storms are, are every year. Places that used to be, you know, get tons of rain are getting none. You know, drought, California, all these things, all these things are man-made. And um, so I think, you know, the hope is, is that maybe we'll do better as we explore space. And, and again, not within our, our lifetimes, but, you know, the ability to find a, a place that we can take the lessons that we've learned and how we've dealt with our own, our own planet and basically not do that again. But I think the necessity for us to find another place to be is, is out there. And, and um, because we're, we are going to run out of, of runway um, where, where we are now. And it's, you know, it's a, I think it's historically in our evolution, that's like even when you talk about children and their parents, when, when there was a great migration from Europe to North America, North America represented this new beginning. You know, if you go to, The, the National Archives in Washington, and you see the effort and the vision that the, the, what America represented. And now space is about to be that place where we're taking the values and building that vision of the future and starting, you know, and, and creating that future that we want to be proud of. And already we're seeing a level of cooperation that we haven't seen before. And yesterday I was talking to Alex Fielding from Privateers and we're looking into space with like, we don't want to pollute it in the same way that we've doing it. There's already this, these efforts of cleaning up. I mean, do you, do you feel hopeful that that next quantum leap is going to like, we're doing everything that we can to, to build a better future? I think it's going to take, unfortunately, a little bit more of a, a, unified 
uh, front to do that, and right now we for sure lack that. Um, we are all about our own, whether it's national or personal self-interests, and, and for something as big as, as a major um, exploration dealing with space, it's going to take something much more unified. And, and again, hopefully over time that will be the case. I think for the near term, you know, again, we have major issues with thousands and thousands of satellites up there, and you know, many of them in decaying orbits and, and potentially colliding into other satellites. And so it's a mess, and, and I'm, I am excited about the, the space cleanup projects that are underway because those are required. But you know, the impact of, of an errant satellite hitting a major communication satellite is significant. Um, you know, it could take the internet down, it could take down. You know, all sorts of government uh, communications, all these things. So, I mean, we had the, um, the the privilege of getting to work with the um, United States Space Force, and part of it was getting to visit. Um, well, of course, we couldn't bring our cameras, but these um, these suits, very high technology uh, rooms of showing us where all these satellites are and floating, you know, circling the Earth. And boy, it's a traffic jam up there. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting to see how. I mean what we do, how we do it and these innovate, I mean, it's, and the, the, these solutions that people are trying, you know, trying to, to find as we, as we're aiming now to the moon and to Mars, by the way, if, if uh, you had the opportunity to go to moon, to the moon or to Mars, would you take it? Oh, in a heartbeat. I mean, I, I was interviewed once about, I think the um, Axiom project and we trained their astronauts as well as others. And when I, you know, do that trip, And I said, well, it's $60 million. If I had $63 million of cash in my checking account, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Because after that, what do I really need much money for? Absolutely. Do you still get um, like excited every time you do a zero-G uh, flight? I do. I do. Because every experience is different. I think the there's some things that are different and some things that are uniform. The uniform part is listening to people, whether they're children, adults, or, or seniors, laugh like they were on the playground and giggle and, and experience emotions that they probably have not felt since they were children. So I think that's, that's a really kind of a neat thing. Um, and then just watching how people explore this experience on, on, as far as how they, and it tells you maybe a little bit about the people, you know, the person that's immediately wants to do somersaults and backflips and things like that. The person is just floating and the person's asking, Hey, what would you recommend as a cool thing to do? So I think you also learn a lot about people. Um, but I think every experience is different and it's, uh, but the, the constant thread is the, is this unbridled, unconstrained glee that people have when they do this. They're, they literally cannot control themselves. Can you share, like, I'm pretty sure, like, over the years, you've seen, there's been moments that for you have marked and you remember um, these experiences of, of certain individuals. Um, can you share a couple of, of those stories? Well, I think the most moving one for me was the first Mission Astro Access trip we did, where we had, um, and I was working with the um, hearing impaired, but also was in the middle of the plane looking up and down the plane, <clears throat> and watching people who had been in a wheelchair or, or worse for their entire lives and feeling the sense of freedom and, and being able to move and, and float and do these things. And the same with people who are blind. Um, I thought it was, I mean, it was, you know, it was teary. I mean, it was looking up and down this. So I think that was probably 
the most impactful experience I've had to have um, uh, on, on in, in this. But also, you know, being with uh, Charlie Dukes, who you know walked on the moon, and 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 seeing how much fun he was having, and and the experience. I mean, here's a guy that made it was part of history, and and this is also like a new thing for him. So you know, and, and ordinary people. I mean, families. I mean, we have you know people that bring up to two or three of their kids, and they share this with them, and. And it's an amazing thing or bonding between people who've never known each other and come off the plane as best friends. So all those things are part of it, of, of, of getting to witness this experience. And, you know, you have famous people and celebrities and all that, but they end up on the plane just like everybody else. Now, were you there when Stephen Hawking um, went up? No, that was way before my time, unfortunately. Have you had people um, actually like getting engaged or getting married on, on those flights? We have. We've had numerous engagements. We had a wedding uh, this June that I uh, sort of officiated at. And the reason I, I really got to officiate at it is that um, it was somebody that had known us and wanted to do this. And, and I said, well, the requirement was that I officiate. And they were all wearing black tie. And I said, I would be doing the same. And I said, nope. The next condition is I want to be able to wear a white dinner jacket. So, um so, you know, sometimes, you know, you have to use your power when you can. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, you know, I've, I've worked in hospitality for, for a long time. And, you know, just the last two months I was on, on Seabourn Venture uh, Expedition Ship. Um, and and part, of the, the, part of the pleasure is seeing, it's not, yes, you know, I love being there and I love taking, you know, the, the images and I love the, the entire the remoteness of where we go but i think that the best part of it is the the guest or the the people that you see their eyes opening and just like enjoying life in its fullest and experiencing the human experience and i guess that you know from from your perspective with with the zero g this is really at the core of it it's okay yes you go up but it's it's realizing that they are experiencing something that they will never. And then just looking at the child coming out, um, I guess that, you know, it's above all what you like about the product that you offer at Zero G, correct? It is. And, and it is. It's, it's, it's giving like what you've been able to participate in is, you know, people living outside their dreams. And for us, that's what it is as well. As people are, when they step onto our plane, they're way above any dream they've ever had. So what's coming up for, for you and uh, and Zero G? I mean, are you working on other projects? Is Zero G expanding beyond just one one plane or a new accessible program? What's in the pipeline for the next uh, two to five years for you and Zero G? So we have a few things in, in progress. Obviously, the next one is taking on a second plane, which would be another Boeing 727, <coughs> identical to the one we fly. We're also you know, starting to do research and engineering analysis on a next platform, a larger plane, a little newer, um, that would have you know, international capabilities. And, and that is something we're very interested in, as well as being able to uh, get this experience to different parts of the world um, that are interested in it. Um, you know, we're working on a, on a, uh, a very um, interesting, immersive entertainment experience uh, for the plane. Um, 
you know, we're continue. We're going to be very involved in the build out of the uh, uh, space stations because of all the need to test how things will work in space. Um, and as you know, lunar uh, exploration gets further, we're getting a lot more uh, science missions just to do in lunar gravity. Um, so we're seeing all sorts of things. We're seeing a lot of interest. Um, corporations taking the plane up, putting up their top executives, branding the plane, you know, rewarding top customers, top salespeople. We had a, a, a parent bring uh, 10 of his, of his kids' uh, friends up uh, recently for the birthday party. Um, so even though it's, it's, it is definitely a bit pricey, it's, it's accessible. And I think we could, are continuing to begin more in the consciousness of what can be done. And we're really excited to be working with every major partner, you know, participant in this industry, whether it's Jane and Tabor at, at uh, Space Perspectives or Alan at, at Worldview or, you know, Virgin and, and uh, uh, Blue and, and Axiom in Space. All those, you know, we, we get the opportunity to work with closely and we get to meet some amazing people who are doing amazing things, which is also an incredible thing. And for me, you know, I've always wanted to a... You know, have make an impact or a difference, and and be have a touch to history. And I think in this, you know, with this company and what we're doing, I get to do both. I think uh, we should take some of the um, the politicians, the House leader from both sides, and have them experience and and see how um, how better their relationship <laughs> after it gets. It's not a it's not a bad idea, you know, that, because again, the bonding that people have, you know, from this experience is, is lifelong, and and it does. Do you feel like you've been to space? And and um, I think, unfortunately, at this point in our history, we're probably kind of beyond that. But I think in in the future, it's probably not a bad idea. Now you're talking about international. Is there anything that prevents the company from, let's say, touring, doing a world tour? Um, or I mean, you could. I mean, it's just a question of, of of producing it. Yeah, it's 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 got it's you know like everything else in this company, it's it's got its level of complexities, but none of them appear to be um, unsolvable. So it's just you know having enough lead time, you know, creating the economic model that works for us to take the plane out of you know what we're doing and and make it worthwhile for for our, my employees and my shareholders. Um, but no, it's definitely something that we have a a real real active conversations and doing and, and our hope is is potentially to do something like that later this uh, later next fall now you and i we met um at the space tourism conference um and then you were at i are you planning are you like for 2023 going to be at all the uh, following the most of the space uh, conferences and beyond uh, do you have like a, a, a travel a schedule for 23 uh, pretty busy i'll be uh, no, I'll be at some, but I also, you know, want other members of my team. What I'm very conscious about is I don't want this company to be a, a you know, me or my, my personality. So, so my director of research will be at at um, what is it the uh, the conference in um, National Space uh, um, in Colorado, I think in March, and my COO will be at others. So, you know, and other people. So, my goal is over the next year we will have presences at these things, but I wanted, you know, kind of mix it up the, of my team that's talking about what we're doing and they're all incredibly capable of doing it as much as, much as I am. Well, it's, it's, we'll make sure that all the links again are in the description because was it some months ago, I noticed that, um, in Houston, you were looking, the, the company was looking for, uh, for, uh, I think an ambassador or, uh, a, uh, 
So, so it's always looking for what do we call called flight coaches. Yeah, exactly. So flight coaches are the ones that come up on the plane and they help the uh, the flyers um, uh, do the somersaults and the spins, and at the same time make sure they're off the ceiling when the plane you know goes from zero g to uh, high g. And you know so you know we're we're always looking to add people in those roles. It's it's a super fun cool thing to get to do. I think you know you don't make a ton of money, but you know you make enough for dinner or, or I don't know, maybe buy yourself some clothes, but it's a cool thing to get to do. And, and so our goal is to have coaches in each of the markets that we fly to. And, and that also reduces some of the travel strain on the people on my team. Um, it makes it a little easier and also, um, you know, helps people in those locales kind of identify with what we're doing. So we're, you know, we're definitely always looking for, to add people to that and you know, they should, you know, they can reach out to us, um, um, you know, for that. So now Matt, can you, I've always thought that the, I mean, maybe I am right or wrong, but I thought that these plane, when you experience the zero G is because you're falling, the plane is falling, but you're not falling, right? It's so, 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 what, what, yeah, so, what is the science behind it? So, uh, you know, hang on for a second. Just give me one second. I might be able to do this even better. Okay. So this is a little smaller than the plane we normally take. So this is for very, very small people, um, as opposed to say you and I. So basically um, what the plane does is it starts off, you know, at the airport, kind of climbs a little bit, levels off at about 20,000 feet. Then when we get to our dedicated space, it's called a military box. It's only for us. Nobody's ever seen us do parabolas and we've never seen anybody. So once we get to our box, the plane kind of pitches up, say about 50 degrees. And as it's kind of getting up, it's right about there. You start to, you know, there's, there's basically the plane is slowing down and there's a change of acceleration and velocity. So now you're just starting to kind of, you know, we're going from maybe a little under two Gs to basically normal to now starting to come close in towards microgravity. And as the plane kind of comes up and around like this, you're now floating in the plane. And then as the plane kind of dips like this, you're still floating. And then as it gets like this, you're back on the ground and it goes like this. So if you kind of think about it, it's like this part of the parabola is really where you're achieving most of the uh, of your microgravity. And if you look at whether what's blue or, or um, uh, virgin are doing, they're just in one huge parabola. I mean, we're going from 20,000 to 30,000 feet. They're going from whatever it is, you know, 30 miles up to 55 miles and then making this huge, huge arc. And they're getting about three minutes of zero G time. You gotta buckle yourself. Do all these things and buckle back. We're getting 15 of these parabolas of about you know, 25 seconds to 30 seconds each. So you're getting about eight-ish minutes of the microgravity time um, in the experience, and you're getting to learn from each time you do this what you can do the next time. So your body, when you experience the microgravity, is because your your body is continuing the the, the movement forward without any resistance while the plane is kind of like guide you know around you so you're not falling you're continuing accelerating you're, you're exactly it's, it's acceleration and velocity so yeah absolutely and then the pilots so the pilots um who are extraordinarily talented and it takes a long time for them to get to that point you know for us to train and put a new pilot in the left seat <clears throat> so what they have on the dashboard is a a little rubber duck 
And and so once, you know, obviously when the plane's going up, the rubber duck is kind of stuck to the dashboard. As the plane gets up to here, the duck is now floating in the cabin, <coughs> in the cockpit, and then they're basically flying the plane based on where the duck is in that in, in the cockpit. So if the duck's too far here, then they obviously know they're, they're going a little too fast, so they can slow it down. If the duck's over here, they steer the other direction. If the duck, so, so they're literally, and that represents the passengers in the back. So they're flying the plane around the passengers. And if I'm correct, it's all these ups and downs, you gradually make them experience the, the, the a different... Um, uh, the zero, it's not like the, the first one, it's a full on zero gravity. They start from point something and then slowly work their way forward, correct? Exactly. Yeah, the first three parabolas are lunar gravities. So, you know, one giant step for man, one small, you know, one small step for man, one giant step for mankind. You can do that in lunar gravity. Plus, you can do push ups, which are really fun. You, know, you do a push up, you go like this and then come back down. So, we do three of those to give people some acclimatization to a microgravity environment. And then from there, we start doing zeros. And zeros are, are you know, it's, uh, it's, again, it's undefinable. I find it's, you know, when I was in um, in um, uh, Greenland, I was uh, visiting uh, this north ruins. You know, the the only building uh, standing is a church. That's, I mean, it's always interesting to see the, the the building standing from the past are usually the ones that are, express our faith to something bigger. Like it's not about the houses, but our houses of religions. But you know, it's that village dates back from 700 years ago. And they would not even comprehend or understand our lives today. Just like this idea of, you know, whether it's a ship or cell phone or, you know, walkie talkie. And I was trying to imagine 700 years from now, the type of life and human experience that we will have it's it's just beyond a realm of yeah and I, I and i call that and i think about that a lot it's so funny you say that daniel is that if you had gone back 150 years say mid 1800s and let's just say you looked up in the sky and there was a plane somehow whether obviously not one of ours but you know someone visiting us flying across you know the, the sky how would you describe it is is it a train that's in the air I mean, you know, there, there's, it would exceed your, your vocabulary. So we're all limited by what we know at this point in time. And, and so when new things happen, we adjust to it. So to say, yeah, in, in, in some period of time, hopefully when we're able to solve, you know, the acceleration of mass, you know, past the speed of light, um, that will be the next major breakthrough mankind and our ability to explore, inhabit, develop, and, and, and continue other sciences uh, for us. And, and again, I don't think that's going to be, sadly, in, in our lifetime. We can't seem to get past, I think, 20,000 miles an hour right now. Um, but it'll happen. And um, and I think it'll be, it'll, uh, the human experience will be quantifiably different. 
I mean, it won't be about things or possessions or, or anything like that. It will be, I think, continuing the betterment of, of what we do for others and, 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 you know, betterment of science and things of that sort. I mean, even just, you know, the, the planes, the, I'm pretty sure that the Wright brothers nev never even thought that a zero-G flight would be, a, a, you know, an avenue possible by, you know, inventing flights. It's we take it to, and, you know, every time I get onto a plane, I'm always mindful and conscious of how flying back in the days where they were almost flying blindly, like without the radars and without, you know, if they had a, a storm they had to go through because it was only one way. And now we're able, I mean, how many people fly every year? And yes, you get turbulence and everything, but you will never experience the kind of danger that used to be associated with flights. And, you know, even on your flights, the, the level of, of information and data that allows us to, to create those experiences, it's just, you know, it's mind-boggling. It, it truly is. I don't think the Wright brothers, when they took off from North Carolina, envisioned that we would be flying from, from Los Angeles to Tokyo. Amazing. Matt, um, you were in the finance world. Now you're in the human experience world. Uh, if, with all your wisdom, what would be like your words of wisdom, Matt's words of wisdom. You know, I think you, I think, you know, I live my life by a couple um, uh, short sentences. The first one is why not? If somebody asks me, what about doing this? Whether it's a, a teammate on my, um, asking me about a project, why not? Because the only way you advance yourself or the things you're involved with is to continually be willing to be expansive in your thinking. And so, you know, to me, it's, you know, why not? Um, so I think that's one. And I think the other thing is, is that, you know, you should always be willing to take a chance and it, it's not needless risks or things like that, but things that you, know, you think will help you get to, a, to that next level in your life. You should always be willing to you know, take the chance. I mean, life is short. It still is short. And, and you know, the, the, the goal is to fill it with memorable experiences and relationships and And really not with things. I, I am, I'm not a things person and things don't have a, a emotion and can't love you. And, and I respect people that want to own big homes, big cars, all that things. But I think not for me, it's, it's how you accumulate experiences and, and how you accumulate relationships and how you are, how you treat people is, is the, you know, is the, should be the goal in life. Absolutely. Totally agree. Now, Matt, if uh, if people want to reach out to Zero G, I mean, the you're on all the social media. You're also on LinkedIn, and I'm pretty sure um, it's your the company is fairly open to access. We are. I mean, I get you know things on LinkedIn all the time from somebody pitching me a, a website design, all these things, and I'm actually always respond. I say thank you for reaching out, but we're set. So, you know, I was that person, you know, in my career, reaching out to whoever I could reach out to see if I could get them to pay attention to me. So, you know, we're, we're always accessible. And, and, you know, we may not, you know, be able to allocate the time that somebody might want from us, but you will always try to be polite and courteous in how we respond to it. Wonderful. Matt, thank you so much. Please go and take care of that, that voice. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be fine. Excellent. Excellent. And I'm looking forward for our next uh, time together, whether it's a space conference. Um, somewhere, but um, we'll make sure to uh, to have a, a nice glass of wine together and, and continue this conversation. I would love that. Daniel, thank you so much for having me today. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay, bye.